Everybody, so happy to do this show. This is Eric Mann. I'm the host of Voices from the Frontlines, your national movement building show. Uh, today, the entire show, except for your phone calls, which I do love, is called the U.S. Assassination of General Qasem Soleimani, a barbaric practice of the U.S. imperialist white settler state with the complicity of the peace movement. See, there's got to be some edge, and the edge is not Trump, 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 or even the Democrats, Democrats, Democrats. The, sometimes the problem is us, uh, especially you. And the question is, are we, with all those pronouns, doing everything we can to even grasp the full extent of how bad the dialogue and conversation is about international issues and the just loss of an anti-imperialist sensibility I'm going to focus again on Bernie Sanders because, because in some way he's one of the best people and yet he just shows so many internal contradictions that I don't want the movement to let him get away with because it reflects our weakness and it reflects death. That's the problem. Certainly, it's not Bernie Sanders is not the main problem. Uh, in many ways, he's part of the solution, but... It, there's a continuum, unfortunately, and there's no hard line. Human rights, clear human rights, anti, we don't expect anti-imperialist in an imperialist country, but we would like somebody to just talk about the decency of other societies, to stop calling everybody in the world a dictator or a thug or whatever, to not continually generate the United States as some wonderful country that it's not, it's hard in a presidential election. Now, I know a lot of you are focusing correctly on who you want to win the Democratic primary, a lot of you. A lot of you are focusing heavily on how to defeat Trump. Uh, I would like to be involved in that conversation, and I am. I really am. But my loyalty continues to be to the people of the third world and trying to be a voice uh, when I have choices of what I want to talk about on our show 
and things happen every week, I choose to focus on something I think our listeners, especially who share these views, are saying, yeah, Eric, go for it. That is your role. There's other shows that can debate all these other questions. So I have three different written pieces that I think are very good. Uh, They overlap a little bit. Uh, I I think I'm going to start with the the email you got. So let's start with something here. All right, I want to see a, a show of hands. How many people out here go on to the website? I, I hear you. It's very good. Don't, don't stand up yet. Voicesfromthefrontlines.com. Go on that site and simply register. You click on it. It allows you to register. You put in your email. You get an email. We put it out every Tuesday, Jenny Martinez and myself. We get it out. I write it. You get it. Usually a little later than I'd like. You know, I got to try to write it Monday night if I got better feedback from Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontlines.com. But we get it out Tuesday, and it lets you know what's happening at Tuesday at 3. So the headline today said, Today on Voices from Frontlines, how do we build a movement against assassination? Defending the humanity of General Qasem Soleimani. Okay? So... I'm going to read you that text. If you are a regular Voices listener, if you are registered on our site, you should have gotten this around 1 o'clock today, okay? And I'd like you to do it. I also want to thank Court Green, uh, Court Green at uh, Gmail uh, Struggle Discussion Group. Court's been a very good friend of Voices. We have our own agreements and disagreements, but we both share a very fierce anti-imperialist perspective, and he's lately been uh, reposting our emails that go out, and we very much appreciate it. If you have a list, a, a, it could be friends of Bernie, it could be friends of Elizabeth Warren, it could be uh, human rights, it could be Code Pink. Uh, if you get stuff from Voices from the Front Lines, why don't you create your own little list or big list and get it out, okay? So I'm going to start with the text that some of you who raised your hand got today around 1 o'clock. Okay, we want to start with that. Uh, As the strongest military power in the world, with virtually no history of fighting a war on its own stolen soil, the U.S. is virtually impervious to the consequences of its brutality. The assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani was a terrible act of inhumanity, but even Iran's measured In fact, muted response indicates a terrible reality. After the U.S. murdered General Soleimani, even if one American light would be lost in self-defense, the U.S. most likely would have launched merciless airstrikes and murdered countless civilians and soldiers in Iran. As a result, Iran did stand down, as Trump boasted. That's true. That's what it did. Or another way you can say it later, it retreated because you just do not take on the United States frontally. The country is too crazy. The U.S. does not have a viable anti-war movement. And with all the self-righteousness of groups calling for no war in Iran, Nancy Pelosi dresses up to mock Arabs and Muslims, and Bernie Sanders opposes the murders and assassination that violates international law, which is great, followed by the most racist and hawkish slander of every other government in the world, creating a de facto support for, or at least justification, of Trump's act of murder. 
I'm going to read the statements later, but let me explain what I mean by that. You can't make intellectual concessions. If you say something like a white person says, look, don't get me wrong, that's how always white people start. Don't get me wrong, I don't like police brutality, but you got to admit there's a lot of crime in the black community. What you're really saying is you support police brutality. If you say, don't get me wrong, I don't think the assassination was right, but he's a bad guy, which I'm going to say what Bernie said, he's a bad guy, then what are you saying? You're in some way colluding with Trump. So you have to be able to say, which is very hard, Iran is an independent sovereign state. The United States has no right to interfere in its internal affairs. There are no grounds for an assassination of the leader of another country. And I, Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, I worry about so many human rights violations in the United States. I worry about all the people in prison that it's not my role to criticize anybody else's social system or certainly to slander people that if I ever got elected, I might actually have to negotiate with. Why in the hell is that so hard to say? It's so obvious. In my work as a civil rights organizer, I have lots of adversaries. I'm very careful how I talk about them because I'm the same one who's got to negotiate with them. See, I actually have some small power in this world, very small. But I actually go in and negotiate with the other side. If I were you, don't insult the person that you may have to negotiate with. The United States doesn't understand it still has to negotiate. It thinks it can just drop a bomb on everybody. But there's also something deeper that a lot of people in the United States just like this hawkishness. They like this abuse. Remember, this did not come from Trump again. It came from Bernie Sanders, which we'll get to. Oh, so here's the quote. Uh, CNN News. Senator Bernie Sanders, a 2020 presidential candidate, told CNN's Anderson Cooper Monday that the missile attack on Iran's General Qasem Soleimani was an assassination that violated international law. Okay, fine. No, I think it was an assassination. I think it was in violation of international law. Bernie, could you please stop there? No, he then says... This guy was, he was a bad news guy. Wait a minute, you can't say that about General Soleimani, who I'm going to read about later. Once you say it, but he was a ranking official of the Iranian government. You know what? Once you get into violating international law in that sense, you can say there are a lot of bad people all over the world running governments. Like who, Bernie? Like uh, Barack Hussein Obama? Like Donald Trump even? But once you start this business, oh, I'm sorry, to name a few, many, the president of China now has put a million people, Muslims, into educational camps. Some would call them concentration camps. Kim Jong-un in North Korea, not exactly a nice guy, responsible for the death, perhaps, of hundreds of thousands of people in his own country. Why is Bernie Sanders asserting this? If you listen to this, and then Trump assassinated the leader of one of these countries, Bernie Sanders has created the groundwork for that assassination. So on one level, you say an assassination violates human rights, but then you call everybody else in the world a human rights violator. You get it? But this guy, you know, as bad as he was, 
wait, what do you mean as bad as he was? Have we asserted that he was bad? Was an official of the Iranian government, and you unleash then if China does that, you know, if Russia does that, you know, Russia has been implicated under Putin with assassinating dissonance. So once you're in the business of assassination, you unleash some very, very terrible forces. So then Bernie goes on, and that, what I'm seeing in this world is a result of Trump's actions, more and more chaos, more instability, and it's absolutely imperative that the United States uh, Congress stand up to Trump. I have consistently opposed this dangerous path to war with Iran. We need to do more than just stop the potential of war. We need to firmly commit to ending the U.S. military presence in the Middle East in an orderly manner, not through a tweet. That's Bernie Sanders. The last statement is very important, but Sanders needs to stop vilifying the heads of foreign governments with whom the U.S. needs to negotiate and stop calling people bad guys. That only creates the basis for a U.S. assassination or invasion. All right, 818-985-5735. You get the first point. Now, here's my question. If you're a Sanders supporter, how upset are you about what he just said? Is the main thing you hear that he said it's a violation of international law? Or the main thing I heard is he just insulted, he brought in North Korea, China, and Russia into this conversation, saying and called the person who was assassinated a bad guy. For me, that's primary. All right, now, the U.S. is a white settler state with contempt for everyone. Its goal is to destabilize, overthrow regime change. Every government in the world except for Europe, Israel, and any of its neo-colonies. Iran, China, North Korea, and Russia are sovereign states. The Democrats are even more at war with than Trump. How do we get out of this mess? I have no idea. But at least call the problem what it is, the bipartisan U.S. assassination, invasion, and bombing state. We do not assassinate people because it's morally wrong. That's why we don't. Because the United States is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world, as Dr. King said. We do not assassinate people because 2.5 million people in the U.S. are in prison, one million of whom are black. So we do not assassinate the leaders of other countries because it's wrong. Because the U.S. has repealed the 1964 Civil Rights Act, 1964 Voting Rights Act. Because the U.S. facilitated the murder of Muammar Gaddafi, tried to murder Fidel Castro endless times by Republicans and Democrats, the last of which was Bill Clinton. Because Barack Hussein Obama assassinated Osama bin Laden. Is not Donald Trump or Bernie Sanders or the U.S. right to tell us who are bad people, bad actors? Because once you say that, what is your response? Would you like to invade them instead of assassinate them? Would you like to have endless sanctions that murder civilians? Would you like trade wars because the U.S. imperialist economy cannot compete fairly internationally? How about a blockade? Who will stand up for the humanity and decency of people in other social systems and call out our government as the primary cause of climate crisis and war. Okay, I will, and I do. That's who will do it. So, you have any uh, Iranian movement music, Ricky, what we did last time? Chinese music? What do you got?
Okay, there was one good line on that. Send me off to a foreign land to try to kill the yellow man. I'm not sure I, if I was Asian, I'd like that. He's trying. Bruce Springsteen does some very good things. So there's a uh, call from Brian on Voices from the Frontline. What's up, Brian? How you doing, sir? Good. Nice to hear you call. All right. Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a conservative that truly believes that the only way I can ever form my own true opinion is to listen to all sides of the story. So I find myself a pretty religious uh, uh, listener to this, to this station. So while I don't always agree with everything they say, I always feel that it's definitely important to be informed. So um, one thing I took a, a little bit of a little step back from with what you said, like you know, we, these people that have, that have perpetrated, uh, perpetrated evil upon the world, such as Saddam Hussein, uh, Soleimani, the guy who was, was just, as you say, assassinated. So these, these people in this world that have done evil things and continue to do evil things, if we can't place sanctions on their country that they represent, we cannot assassinate them, we cannot, you know, all the list of things we cannot do, what, what do you suggest we do that will curb these people from doing future evil acts? All right, good question. Uh, so let's go one step at a time. Uh, hold on. I mean, we keep asserting that they're doing future evil acts. I don't necessarily uh, assume that. I mean, the first thing I'm trying to say is we, we begin the conversation with what do we think of the United States? Um, we have very different views of it. I mean, one of the things, because I think about the United States a lot. I live here. I was born in Brooklyn, the USA. Uh there's a lot of great things about this country that are artificially constructed through the suffering of people all over the world. So, for instance, we have 800, we, the United States, has 800 military bases. This is the first time I fully grasped that, you know, uh, Soleimani was killed in Iraq. But one of the things that's being said is if any American soldier isn't jeopardized, well, if we have 800 military bases on other people's countries, and if an American, so-called, a U.S. person is killed, then obviously you're going to think a bad person did something, but you're not going to think that the United States had no right to be there in the first place. Uh, other people do. When they try to have movements that say U.S. out of the Philippines, the United States and the CIA work with the Philippine government to kill, assassinate, murder people in the Philippines who want the United States out or want the United States out of Okinawa where there's a, a, a base. So I guess what I'm trying to say is to the degree that you think the United States has the right to the land that it stole or that the indigenous people have lost all their rights, I just don't spend most of my time checking out everybody else's country to see what's wrong with it when I am trying to organize in, inside this country. But the second thing is, no, um, well over 500,000, I know the number's actually a million people died out of the U.S. blockade of Iraq, the war in Iraq. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I don't think, if you say if we can't kill them, if we can't bomb them, if we can't impose sanctions on them, what can we do? How about leave them alone, and how about negotiating specific things that you want changed in the world with all the different forces in the world? I'm going to give our listeners another understanding of this. 
When I and I, Brian, it's a good question, by the way. I'm taking it seriously. When I worked in the United Auto Workers and I worked in an auto factory, there were five thousand people there, five thousand workers, right wing, moderate, left. Every one of them were people I had to deal with. Some of them voted against me. Some tried to kill me. But I didn't mainly think there was forces of evil in the union. I did think there were forces against which I was trying to organize. But my questions fundamentally is if Bernie Sanders starts singling out four, he, you remember he also did Venezuela. So Bernie has said there were bad guys running Venezuela, Iran, China, Russia, and North Korea. For those of you who are not conservatives who are listening to this, if you support Bernie Sanders, is that profoundly upsetting to you? Do you understand it continues to create the grounds for the 800 military bases and the virtually $1 trillion military budget because Bernie himself has established this terrible problem. And I think if he could say, or Elizabeth could say, in an age of nuclear weapons and climate change, we're going to have to work with every country in the world to get along with them. And I'm not here to single out any other social system with what's wrong with it. I want to focus on the many crimes and abuses inside the United States. That's my answer. Uh, Bill and like Elsinore, and then I'm going to read from my friend uh, Joseph Sayadon. But Bill, how you doing? Nice to hear from you. Eric, how's it going? Good. Hey, um, like you, my my ancestors came recently over from Eastern Europe. So I feel so ashamed of what the Europeans preceding on my family uh, did to the Red Man. It just uh, just kills me. But uh, that song you played, um, I could so much more relate to uh, Cheech Marion's version of Born in East L.A. because obviously I was born in East L.A. <laughs> and it makes much more sense. Thank you, Eric. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Bill. Very nice. Uh, John and Burbank, and then I'm going to go, and I'm going to take Gia. And then, hold on, then I'm going to go to some more reading. But that's great. Okay, John and Burbank, what's up? Well, I'm just thinking you're very hard to please, Eric, and you're expecting uh, somebody who's running for office to be doing something that a, uh, you know, is it really the province of a professor or a leader of the peace movement, which is, you know, not this, you know, not the same enterprise, and it's hard to do the, the both of them at the same time. I mean, you're not happy that he's saying we should retreat from the Middle East. You, you need him to, uh, that's a big, bold step forward ahead, way ahead of anybody else, and, you know, he should be given credit for that and not be asked now to indict the whole history of the United States while he's trying to be elected president of it. All right, let me respond to that. Is that okay? That's a good. That's a very good point. I am hard to please. There's no question, because I I was raised in a period of revolution where I was very pleased every day. I mean, if Martin, you understand, Martin Luther King said, "Do you, do you take seriously when he said, how can I?'" condemn the violence in the ghetto when my own government, the United States, is the greatest purveyor of violence in the world. Go read his speech on Vietnam. Well, and, and the source of the violence in the ghetto in an indirect way. So right, exactly. Go listen to George McGovern. Now, you, you're me, I say, well, he got killed in the election, but I have no reason to believe Bernie is going to do that great with a different s- subject because, because this is a very racist country, you know, so I don't blame Bernie for not doing certain things. I'm simply saying to Bernie, you have a 
penchant for singling out and speaking badly of other people. Go read the speeches of George McGovern. When the United States first got into Vietnam, he said, this is one of the great moral catastrophes. This is going to come back to haunt the United States. Not simply it's the wrong war at the wrong time. Go read him. A profound moral critique. Go read Wayne Morris. He was a senator. Go read Ernest Gruning, who I knew personally and I knew McGovern because we were on a talk show together. I don't mean, but yeah, I had a long talk with him. What a phenomenal person. Uh, the moral, go read Kennedy, John Kennedy's speeches after the Cuban Missile Crisis where he, he had a real understanding about nuclear war and he worked with the Soviets to reduce nuclear weapons. But he began to talk to the so-called U.S. people in the most thoughtful manner, I want to. I think it's called the Georgetown speech. I'm going to go back and you know I'm trying to construct a lot of these best speeches that were so much better. Um, I do you do you not think that if you say uh, Maduro in Venezuela is in fact a dictator, that that when you say in my heart to please, they asked him a very simple question about Venezuela. All he had to say is I think the United States is interfering in the eternal affairs of the people of Venezuela. They already had a free election, right? right? Was, that a, was that a reasonable thing to say? No, he, he, was, you know, he was way off base in Venezuela. I don't think he's still way off base if he condemns, you know, uh, uh, you know the North Koreans or, or you know, uh, says that Soleimani wasn't such a good guy. I mean... Uh, that doesn't, you know, mean. I mean, he's making clear that it, you know that's not a green light to be assassinating people. But can I ask you this? Do you ever watch shows like uh, Homeland? It's a good show. I watch it. No. It's not good politically, but it's a pretty good show. You know when they want to kill somebody, what they call them? No. A bad guy. That's the new code for the CIA. So okay. we got to get the guy. He's a bad guy. That's it. Now, when I was in Brooklyn... Well, but, I mean, he's, he's been quite unequivocal about this being a bad idea. So, I mean, just, you know, he can't now... He doesn't want to be portrayed as, and he shouldn't be portrayed, you know, so let him portray himself as someone who doesn't think that there's a sinister forces in the world. Uh, All right, I'm going to read... Oh, this is good. Listen, I'm taking you very seriously. I want to read you something from my friend. Uh, just hear, the, hear me out for a minute. Uh, let's see. Oh. This is my friend, uh, Joseph Sayadan, with whom I work. He's Iranian. He's outraged about this, as am I. Let me read what he wrote, okay? And I want you to stay on the lines, okay? So he says, Qasem Soleimani. He was born in 1957 in a small vision village in Kerman province in Iran. He worked odd jobs until joining the Islamic Revolutionary Guard in 1979. Following the Iranian Revolution and having been inspired by the revolution's anti-imperialist, anti-racist, anti-capitalist ideals. Following the Iranian revolution and the subsequent invasion of Iran by Iraq with the U.S. support, Soleimani began as a foot soldier but quickly rose in the ranks because of his exceptional character and ability. He fought valiantly in the Iran-Iraq war while the whole rest of the world, literally, including the U.S., Britain, and even the Soviet Union, backed Saddam Hussein's invasion. Back to the issue back then, Saddam Hussein was called a 
good guy. Remember that. When the United States wants you, you're a good guy. When the United States wants to get rid of you, you're a bad guy. Now just keep going. In 1990, he became the commander of the Revolutionary Guards Al-Quds Force, which is the most elite army in the military of Iran. As a commander of the Al-Quds Force, he fought in the defense of the sovereignty of not only Iran, but Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Palestine, and Lebanon. He was well known for his calm and diplomatic presence and would often negotiate between enemy parties involved in conflict successfully. I try so hard to explain that to people at the Strategy Center. Diplomatic presence, negotiate between enemy parties involved in conflict. Most notably, he played a key, if not single, most decisive role in defeating ISIS in Iraq and Syria. And he fought along diverse militias of Muslims, Kurds, Christians, and Yazidis. Yazidis. Following the military operation, ISIS praised the U.S. murder of Iranian General Soleimani as a divine intervention that will help them rise again. You hear that? ISIS praised the U.S. murder of General Soleimani as a divine intervention. General Soleimani was the most popular government official in Iran, with a study at the University of Maryland finding 82% of Iranians viewed him favorably in 2019. You know, 82% of people in the United States don't view anybody favorably, and certainly not me. This wasn't the first assassination on his life. In November 2019, Mossad, which is the Israeli secret uh, military, and Arab affiliates intended to blow up Soleimani during worship on a holy holiday. The general had funeral processions all over Iran and Iraq. We saw the attendance of millions of people. He's remembered for his humility, kindness, and courage in his fight for his country. Does that sound like a bad guy to you? Does that sound like somebody that millions of people thought was a good guy? Do you at least have enough self-doubt to say, maybe I didn't know this human being? I say Donald Rumsfeld or George W. Bush. They, I think, are worse guys, but you know, and I, I think, you know, if you look at the beginning of his story, when he's defending Iran's rights and autonomy, he's a good guy. Uh, then, you know, certain points when he gets into uh, civil wars in Syria and Iraq, it becomes a much grayer area, and he does some not so good things. But, uh, you know, I, I, I really didn't come into this conversation to parse the particulars of things that, you know, where he, you know, did some good things and, you know, had had done some good things and very, you know, he was a hero of, he was a resistance hero as much, you know, and deserves as much credit for that at a certain stage in his career as, you know, any of the heroes of the French or, you know, German resistance or, you know, but. All right, so let me leave you there because I have other callers. I wanted but, you to hear you know, this. But let me ask you this. And, you know, the I, reason I, I wanted and Joseph... Was, don't expect too much of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> I don't, He's believe me. Office. If that's your slogan, don't expect too much of Bernie Sanders. Uh, As a candidate, well... Well, or even, you know, I mean, expect that he's going to move things. All right, but let me, let me say. Anti-militarism. Well, all right, but let me say this, and, and thank you. Listen, obviously I'll let you, you know, I wanted you to talk because you're saying very intelligent things. Here's what I'm trying to say. We are in the progressive anti-war, 
I mean, just progressive folks. We have the right to ask, in particular, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders to stop this hawkish talk about China, this hawkish talk to stop saying other people are bad guys. I think that has to be taken out of the conversation. I'm, I mean, if you're not deeply moved by this, to say maybe I don't even know this person. See, this could be me. This is how I react. When I'm assassinated, if I'm assassinated, I don't want people debating am I a bad guy. They have no right to assassinate me. I identify very strongly with this. So you're a good person, but I think we have the right to ask Bernie Sanders to get clear that it's inappropriate and wrong for any elected official in the United States after an assassination to start by saying the assassination was wrong and then go on to what's wrong with the person who was assassinated. If that's not persuasive, it certainly is to me, which is why I'm the host of the show. Thanks a lot, and I appreciate the call. John in Burbank. All right, thanks. Uh, Gia in L.A. Hi, thank you so much for taking my call. Excuse me, I have a couple of comments or and questions or what. Sure. The gentleman who called in, and the gentleman who called in and asked about these terrible people around the world and what should we do? <laughs> well, my question is, my question is, well, what do people around the world do to us for kidnapping children from other countries and allowing them to die? Not just the children, but the adults. What about the homeless population here in America? What about people losing their homes? What about us not having health care and, you know, thousands of people dying from that? What if people came over here and decided that our way of life was not appropriate? Would that give me reason for them to assassinate someone? I, we know that we have a lot of terrible things and policies and politicians who, who work against our interests. So, you know, until we clean up our own home, we shouldn't even dream about going to someone else's house and attempting to tell them anything. We have the worst educational system per capita. I mean, it's, it's just unbelievable to me. I am disgusted. And the other thing about Bernie Sanders, I'm not voting for Bernie only because when he pulled out during the last election, attempting to allow Hillary Clinton to win, he insulted me as a voter. I decide who I vote for. And to me, he played politics. If he was not serious, he should have never, he should never have gotten into, you know, running the race. And to a, I don't care what Hillary Clinton was, she's not electable. We didn't want her, and I didn't appreciate him attempting to shove her down my throat. Thank uh, you so much. Well, I'm glad you made it clear what you think. Uh, very good. I mean, you see, here's the difference in tone. The sister who just spoke is angry at the United States. I'm angry at the United States. You see, if you're angry at the United States, then you're more angry. And we're not, understand, look, I, Donald Trump killed and, and may issue the order. Bernie Sanders did not issue the order. I don't, I start with, I assume we know that this assassination was abominable. We start with that, right? But I'm happy to say when, again, I'm sorry, but when Obama was running for a second term, Michelle Obama said, remember, he took out Osama bin Laden, meaning my husband's no wimp. He killed a man, you know, in another country, in Pakistan. So the bipartisan support 
for once you declare somebody an enemy politically, that you have the right inside the United States to kill other people, which is what the sister just said. Why can't we reach a simple agreement that this is an atrocity, as she said? And I would go further, which is not like until we clean up our act, we can kill other people. Do we not understand? It's like saying nuclear weapons cannot be used right now. We cannot have a nuclear war. If you don't want a nuclear war, you don't say, the other person is a bad actor, but I'm not going to drop a nuclear bomb on them. Why can't we understand that there's a certain intelligence about how you speak to the sovereign leaders of any country? Because, in fact, do you know they're all negotiating with each other? You don't think Putin and the United States and the CIA and the KGB are all talking to each other? You know, Trump says terrible things about China, and then he negotiates with them. He can get away with that because that's his stupidity. That's the, you know, the Chinese have contempt for Trump. But they're very patient because they're superior to him. And this new agreement, is the, whatever they thought he did, the Chinese have agreed to buy some soybeans from Iowa. That's it. You had a trade war with China. You insulted the president of China. And then in the end, you declare victory. When the Chinese are actually smarter than the U.S., their technology is more advanced Everybody in the world knows that the Chinese are beating the United States at their own capitalist game by using some of the skills of communism and some of the benefits of a state socialist or state capitalist regime. But also, here's an interesting thing, because I listened to a show called Mad Money, uh, no, Fast Money, which is on, uh, I think it's uh, MSNBC, right? Or CNBC, whichever the stock uh, show is. And there was a guy named Guy Adami who was talking, and he said, you know, yesterday, because they were talking about the Chinese being the greatest currency manipulators, and he said, let's be honest, the United States is the greatest currency manipulator of all. The United States is artificially dropping its interest rates to the point where U.S. products are more uh, uh, exportable into the world because they're in some way cheaper. The currency is better. The point is the Federal Reserve in the United States could arbitrarily print money. The Federal Reserve in the United States just dropped the interest rate from about 25 to 1.5, which makes it very good if you have a house and you want to refinance it. makes it terrible if you're elderly and trying to live on any kind of fixed income and want any income on your money. What's my point? I don't mind what the hell the United States does with its interest rates. It doesn't I mean I have it's not high on my list, but to call the Chinese currency manipulator stealing trade secrets, it's again the dehumanization of another society setting the condition for war. If you call it a trade war, the United States is at war with everybody all the time. And the people in the United States like this stuff, folks. Why do you think Trump got elected, and why do I think there's a very good chance he's going to get reelected? Because if you play on his terms, Elizabeth, if you say the best way to fight the trade war with the Chinese, says Elizabeth, is to bring human rights groups in. To, to what? Look at Chinese human rights? Labor rights. <laughs> they busted every union in the United States. Environmental rights. What in the world are U.S. labor 
and alleged human rights and environmentalists discussing with the Chinese. Do we not know the United States is the greatest polluter in the world? My point, I don't care if it says 16 different ways, is there's a sense of great hubris inside the United States, a sense of everybody is at war with everybody over everything. And I'm telling you, folks, we're not going to eliminate the environment if somebody doesn't run as a truly, forget about civilizing, anti-barbarian candidate. And I'm sorry, when Bernie says these things, it encourages white imperialist barbarism, which is what that sister said. Okay, Uh, Amir, and then I'm going to read some more good stuff from Joseph Sayadon. Yes, Amir. Hello, thank you. Thank you so much for your uh, introduction regarding um, General uh, Soleimani. When you have uh, a Republican general praise General Soleimani, uh, then you can see if he was a bad guy or if he was not a bad guy. Uh, last week on Amy Goodman's show, Democracy Now!, General Wilkerson, who was the commander-in-chief of the U.S. forces in Afghanistan, he praised him. He was the one, he said that you know, if he was with if it was not for General Soleimani, we would have not even been able to move an inch in Afghanistan because we didn't have the know-how, we didn't have the skills, we didn't have the uh, the resources. And um, and he was the one who was actually assistant to Colin Powell, uh, who made up the uh, bogus claim that uh, Iraq has got the WMDs and we went into Iraq. And it was as a result of the U.S. going into Iraq that the whole thing, you know, with ISIS came about. That's correct. And the only and the only person who actually was able to contain and put down ISIS, which is anti everybody except for themselves, it's anti Islam, it's anti uh, civilization, whether we want to talk, talk in Middle Eastern civilization or Western civilization. And he was the only one who could contain them. And tertiary to that is that he was actually invited to Iraq by the prime minister of Iraq. The entourage that got killed as a result of the drone attack included uh, the topmost general in Iraq, an Iraqi general who was also a topmost general there. And the reason that he was there, he was on a diplomatic mission because the prime minister of Iraq had some letter from Saudi Arabia to um, come to some sort of a uh, diplomatic agreement with Iran. And by killing Soleimani, this basically killed off any channel of uh, putting the tensions down between Iran and Saudi Arabia, which is part of the root cause of you know, what's going on between the different, uh, between the different um, groups uh, that are fighting each other in, in the Middle East, whether it's in Yemen, whether it's in uh, Iraq, whether it's the Sunnis and the Shiites and, and so forth. So we basically took out a guy who was actually on a diplomatic mission to ease the tensions in Middle East. And he actually did not come there, you know, by a private plane or anything. He actually uh, had boarded a commercial flight. Wow. And he'd gotten off at the Iraq International Airport, Baghdad, Baghdad International Airport. And it was at that point that he was killed. He was not there, you know, he didn't sneak over the border, he did not go with a private jet, you know, like some of these, uh, some of our commanders or some of our top officials, you know, when they go unannounced to uh, different countries, they do. 
So it, everybody knew that he was going to be there. So it was not something you know, that he right. was secretly or he had any, any part of his agenda. Another thing that I can add to that is that um, Trump, they, they, they said that you know, there, uh, there was an imminent US, uh, U.S. interest that was, uh, un- that was going to be attacked. Trump ordered his killing six months ago. So uh, over six months ago. Uh, that was in the news. Um, and additionally, today I heard that the U.S. has said that this is something that we, uh, it, it sets a precedent of uh, killing somebody, high, a high official in That's right. sovereign country's government. And the U.S. has just said that they will do this to Russia and Chinese. So... Yeah, let me say, Amir, let me say one more question. Is that what we just said about Russia and China? Uh, tell me about Mossad. What do you know about the Mossad's relationship to the... Because Netanyahu, the minute he was killed, almost like I heard that Netanyahu was actually in on it and was aware of it, as was the Israeli Mossad. Do you have any information about that? And if you don't, don't worry about it. Don't? Okay. Well, let me say this because I want to... Thank you very much for your show. Yes. Well, go ahead, sir. No, go ahead. Um, yes, if, if there's any questions I can answer, I would be more than happy to. Otherwise, thank you very much for your show. Well, thank you. It's terrific what you just said. I mean, the, the, the question, and I do have things I'm trying to say about this, that, which is what you were saying, Amir, or very, saying it very well, is that the United States is creating, the United States is in a very declining period of uh sort of sado-imperialism meets, you know, mass psychosis. So if you look at the old, you know, the Kennedy types, the Eastern, uh, the Eastern types, you know, the Harrimans, the, the ruling class Harvard types, they were looking for world hegemony through making arrangements with everybody. They wanted to make an arrangement. I'm not saying that they were good people. I'm saying that they had a, some sense of an orderly world having just come out of World War One, caused by the Germans and caused by world imperialism. They came out of World War Two, caused by the Germans and world imperialism. So afterwards, there were discussions with Stalin, Roosevelt, uh, Churchill. De the French hadn't done a damn thing, but de Gaulle wanted to fight his way in there about how can we stabilize this world for a while and avoid another World War III. But sure enough, as soon as World War II is over, the United States turns on the Chinese communists who had been their allies in World War II against the Japanese, turns on the Soviet Union who had been their ally in World War II and was the principal force in defeating uh, Nazi Germany with the latest figure I've heard is 26 million uh, Soviet citizens and soldiers killed 26 million in the fight against Hitler. So the United States has no loyalty to anyone. Uh, as you were pointing out, uh, Soleimani was helpful to them in the fight against ISIS, but then again, they were working with ISIS in the fight against the Soviet Union. They built up, you know, in other words, what I'm getting to is the United States is the rogue state. But more than that, it's, it's Trump represents a little crazier version. But notice that Obama was doing virtually nothing to stabilize the world either. So what I'm getting to is 
Let me slow down. The main point I'm trying to say is the Kennedys represented some last effort of a ruling class effort to make some order out of things. If you're trying to make some order out of things, then you have a view that North Korea has legitimate interests and you figure out how to deal with them. Legitimate interests, not good guys and bad guys. You know that there's a conflict. You're trying to mediate conflict more or not. The missing piece in here is the so-called American people. And let me see if I can find something here, because if only... uh, See this. I'm heartbroken over what's happening in Iran, particularly the murder of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani by President Trump. I'm very shocked that even the peace movement is belittling the assassination and focusing on the danger of war in Iran. But you already have had war in Iran, and there's an article saying 40 years of U.S. war. Don't you understand when you say no war in Iran, the United States just murdered one of the top generals in Iran, and the peace movement says no war in Iran. That shows how used we are to living in the ideological world of U.S. imperialism, that even the peace movement accepts assassination. There was a terrible headline in The Nation magazine saying, Trump assassinated journalist Soleimani to distract from the impeachment. To hell with the impeachment. Enough already with the stupid impeachment. You don't want to impeach Trump for murdering Soleimani, said the Democrats, but you want to impeach him for what? Attacking Joe Biden? And Biden shows his appreciation by supporting the assassination. As I'll explain, it's because he and Barack Hussein Obama boast of how they took out a.k.a. assassinated Osama bin Laden. Yes, let's not get distracted from the trivial impeachment in the face of violating international human rights that do not exist either legally or politically, but still must be used as a concept. So let me break it to you. Whatever you're doing with the impeachment is that not important compared to a hundred other things going on. But the nerve to say Trump did it to distract from the impeachment, no. He murdered a real human being for other geopolitical reasons. Also, imagine the impact on Iranians in the U.S. who have to act or even believe that their own nation is the enemy or to be able to live in relative peace in the U.S. to always have to prove their loyalties. I remember every time I would meet, you know, uh, uh, Iraqis that they would say they're Persians you know, at a certain point, because they wanted, I believe that's right, because they didn't want people, you know, so whoever's being demonized at the time. Um, The murder of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani is the latest of so many murders and assassinations, beginning with the assassination of Native American leaders. It's part of the long tradition of barbarism, of U.S. assassination with political opponents, The U.S. has never been attacked. It's always the aggressor. The reason September 11th had to lead to World War II is because not during World War I or World War II, except for Pearl Harbor, was there an attack on the U.S. mainland. Not Korea, not Vietnam, not Iraq, but the capacity to bomb people into the Stone Age with no retaliation. And no, no assassination of U.S. leaders by anyone except for the CIA and right-wing groups who we think killed Kennedy. 818-985-5735. The U.S. Department of Aggression is called the Department of Defense. 
It used to be called the Department of War. At least it was honest. They called it the Department of War. Now it's the Department of Defense. The U.S. does not need any defense and is indefensible. I think my last thing uh, I want to say is listening to the impeachment is I got to forward better, but they're saying that, you know, somehow once again it's turning on Russia, that the reason the Democrats want to impeach uh, Trump is because he colluded with Russia. I'm trying to say that over the last eight years, the United States Supreme Court has struck down the Voting Rights Act. Barack Obama criticized it and did nothing. Millions and millions of people have lost the vote under Obama for eight years. Give Trump some credit. He runs around as president and fights for everything he wants. Obama could have run all over the country and say whether or not the Voting Rights Act is uh, upended, I'm going to fight for every single person. He could have led voter registration drives, as Trump does, having mass rallies. Why did Obama not want mass rallies of black people? You want to know why? Because he was terrified of the white vote. So they took away the black vote, but Obama would not mobilize black people or even ask white people. He, He would not fight for the Latino vote because he was deporting so many people. I guess what I'm just trying to say is that the... It's reaching the point to me of a level of insanity where it's hard to have a political line on insanity. I'm terrified that the Democrats don't stand for anything. I'm terrified that the Democrats have no coherent opposition to Trump. I am terrified that Trump has juiced the economy through manipulating the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve is printing money. The stock market is going up infinitely. There's bipartisan support for war against the world. Now, on the positive and ending on the positive, we go back to what Bernie Sanders said, that we have to get out of the Middle East. That is absolutely critical. I hope he fights for that. I hope he makes peace. As the central question, more than socialism, more than Social Security, if he says, I want the United States to live at peace with other countries in the world, I think that would be a phenomenal conversation to have with Trump. And I heard he's trying to do that. So if I focus on my criticism of Bernie, it's because to the Bernie supporters, I'm expecting you to say, you're right, Eric, that's a very good point. And yes, he has called for the withdrawal of U.S. troops out of the Middle East, which is terrific, but he can insult the head of five other nations. Um, I think I'm out of it. If uh, I'm not out of it, I'm out of time. See, perfect. I knew it was time for Nina Simone. Uh, thanks for letting me think out loud. Thanks to Amir. Thanks to the many callers. I think you have to understand that we cannot allow the United States to assassinate anyone in the world, inside or outside the United States, from Malcolm X to Martin Luther King to Qasem Soleimani. Take good care of yourselves. This is Eric Mann on Voices from the Frontlines, 818-985-5735. I'll see you next Tuesday at 3. We'll do something different. And big thanks to Joseph Sayadon for the research and for humanizing a man who deserved to be human and whose death should be mourned. 
You're on KPFK 90.7 FM in Los Angeles, 98.7 FM in Santa Barbara. Streaming live on the web at kpfk.org. Call Eric at VoicesFromTheFrontLines.com. I'll see you next Tuesday at 3.